Hey, this is John Anik. This is Dave Manley. This is John Hackleman, a.k.a. Pitmaster. You are listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. episode of MMA Wreckage Radio. I know we weren't here for you guys last week. We had a super busy week when it came to Cage Wars, so we took a break off from MMA Wreckage Radio, but we are back. Uh, we have an action-packed show for you. We are going to recap UFC Philly. Uh, that was two weeks ago. It was a great card. We're also going to be sitting down with Landon Quinones. He is a Titan FC featherweight who is going to be fighting at Titan FC 53 coming up here soon. Uh, we have Cage Wars 41. We're going to recap. Uh, tough, t- t- what is it? 12, 27 participant Ricky Steele is going to be coming in and sitting down with us. Then we have Waleed coming in to recap UFC 236. Waleed's actually going to come and uh, talk about UFC Philly too. And then to uh, cap off the show, uh, a man who had a very impressive performance at UFC Philly, Alex Perez. Is going to stop by and uh, talk to Ben and I. But while we are here and into things, we are going to go ahead and jump right into UFC Philly. All right, man. I was, it? it was it was a great card. Uh, like we said, we started off with Alex oh. Perez and Mark Della Rosa. Very interesting fight there. Uh, Alex Perez's dominant ground and pound was what ultimately earned him a decision victory, 30-27, unanimous across the board. Uh, Mariana Moroz versus Sabina Mazo, that was another 30-27, 29-28, 29-28, back and forth-ish. Uh, woman's flyweight bout. Casey Kenny and Ray Borg was the next fight on the card, and that was one that left a lot of people feeling a little uneasy, including Ray Borg. He was uh, rather upset visually after that decision came across. Uh, I felt like Ray Borg. I feel like Ray Borg had done enough to earn the decision victory personally. Uh, But congratulations uh, to Casey Kenny for a successful UFC debut. And hopefully, this doesn't mean that this is the last of Ray Borg inside the UFC octagon. Casey Kennedy had a successful career in LFA. He uh, posted on Instagram, you know, send them all. Because Ray Borg was just the first one. Oh, I know uh, you you had spoke highly about Kevin Holland versus uh, Gerald Mearshart, uh on the pre-show that we did, and this came down to a split decision. Uh, I believe one judge called it 29-27 in, uh, in favor of Holland, and there's a 29 or 28-29, 30-27. So, Randall, what was your opinion on this fight? Um, I was left with a lot of question marks when it came to Kevin Holland. I, I feel like obviously I expected a little more out of him. I feel like he gave a very good performance against Thiago Santos. I felt like if that same Kevin Holland would have came in against Gerald Mershop, we would have had a completely different fight. Um, but he squeaks out the victory nonetheless. And in this day and age is a win's a win. And then Kevin Aguilar and Enrique Barzola went to war for a decision in favor of Kevin Aguilar, 29-28 across the board. Then we moved up, 
And Desmond Green looked absolutely phenomenal in his knockout of Ross Pearson at 2 minutes 52 seconds of the first round. He just kind of stepped in there and threw that, sneaked that hand in there and just put him down. And it was something that kind of shocked the world there for the first finish of the card, ladies and gentlemen, coming up by the second or the second to last fight on the ESPN preliminary card. And it was something that you know definitely made me jump up out of my seat when the when Ross Pearson hit the mat, especially because I believe I was picking Ross Pearson to go in there and win the fight. Well, uh, Ross Pearson actually, uh, he retired after this fight. So that was yeah. the last time we will ever see Ross Pearson in the octagon. Um, unfortunately, it ended the way it did for him. It seems to kind of be like the regular nowadays. Uh, once these fighters get a little too old, they get one big knockout. And unfortunately, it's normally in their last fights. Um, but yeah, Desmond Green looked fucking solid. But do you think Ross Pearson, uh, like... Uh, Ended his career for good, or he just gone uh, like he ended uh, his run uh, with the USC. You think we're gonna see him in, in other division, another federation, uh, like uh, maybe in bare knuckle, or uh, do you think about? It? I think he's done with well, MMA. He, now that you say bare knuckle, that might be something interesting to see. Well, he is from England, and uh, uh, fucking what's his name? Pickett's out there, and he's got a uh, bare knuckle promotion, I believe. But uh, Pearson debuted in 2009. It's 2019, 10-year MMA career. Not a lot of of guys can say they stuck around in the UFC for 10 years. So, I mean, the guys, in my opinion, could easily be a Hall of Famer. Um, He won the Ultimate Fighter Season 9. He didn't quite win the title, but he was always a very competitive fighter. Hats off to him, and hopefully he enjoys his future endeavors. Yeah. And thank him for all uh, the fights, uh, the great fight that he gave us for uh, in his career. Now, we look at the, the, the fight, or one of the fights uh, moving forward, we get to Marina Rodriguez, who has deducted one point for her repeated eye pokes, uh, who... I got a decision over Jessica Aguilar that was a 29-26, 29-27 times two. And I believe it was Keith Peterson that was the referee here, if I'm not mistaken. And he was just no-nonsense the whole night, you know, taking, uh, giving strong warnings. I believe he took a point from somebody else as well. Um, Rodriguez's point was deducted in the first round, and it was something that he was like, all right, you know, enough is enough. You know, either lead with a hand straight up or or figure something else out, and and she was taken. It was a point was taken, and at that point, it's the next violation should be a disqualification. So she was very lucky that she didn't get you know caught again doing that, or you know that she corrected herself. The the eye pokes are is is really a big problem uh, in uh, in MMA fights because we we saw like change the gloves. Uh, yeah, that's the, maybe the solution, but yeah, I believe a little so. curl and the bend in the glove, you know what I mean? Yeah, you maybe well, yeah, we will have less eye pokes, but it's a big problem. Yes, the UFC definitely should do something about uh, the problem. Well, moving forward, we have Sak- Sadiq Youssef versus Shaman Marais that came out a 29-27, 29-28 decision across the board in favor of Youssef. Uh, and another interesting fight. But what was uh, interesting to me was the Paul Craig fight. 
Uh, how the Come hell? That kid, man. Yeah, I mean. But that's all he does. It just seems like every time he yeah. downed on the scorecards, he gets late into that third round, four minutes are up, and he pulls something out of his ass. I mean, you've seen him do it now, what, three times in a row? Well, I don't think that's I mean, where that triangle choke came from, Randall, but, I mean, if that's, you know. That's exactly where it came from. He had to push his hips up, right? Yeah, I guess so. I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, once that was in, it was in. I believe he, he had attempted a, another triangle choke recently, uh, you know, just before that and was unsuccessful, obviously, until he had pulled this one off and it just shows the patience of the bear Jew. And that's, you know, something that comes with experience. Uh, Paul Craig, I don't know if, um, if uh, in his career, may, if he, he would reach that level that he will fight for a title uh, uh, in his career. I don't think so, but it is that kind of fighter that you have seen it because he's really fun to watch and uh, and you 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 will never know how the fight's gonna end because we we see him like in the the last time it was uh four minutes fifty nine seconds that he got with the, the the W with submission this time four minutes twenty seconds in the in the final and had he not won that yeah. fight before they yeah. were talking about cutting him yeah so, so he was gonna know. be going from cut to now he's on a two fight win streak. I, mean, I don't think UFC should cut him. I think he should stay in the UFC because it's really fun to watch. People, fans love to watch him fight, and uh, it's really fun to watch, to see if, uh, see him fight. So, yeah, he's a good fighter. I don't. Yeah, definitely that maybe it will something will happen that maybe we will have his big fight, you know, and maybe he will fight for the title. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely he should stay in UFC. UFC should not cut him. Oh, moving up the card, we have Michelle Watterson defeating Carolina Kovacavich, 30-27, unanimous. And just an outclassing that was absolutely phenomenal. I think... Uh, yeah, said Karate there, Hottie looked great. They said there may have been some title implications for this fight. I'm not sure if, you know, that's the way to go here. I think maybe one more fight for Michelle Watterson up the rankings would be, uh, you know, in line, but... Regardless, you know, hats off to her. It was a beautiful performance, and I think she definitely Look, earned that W. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Everyone wants to sit here and talk about Dad Cerrone, but Mom Karate Hottie is on a roll, and she's killing it. She's looking to be the first mother to ever hold UFC gold. I think yeah. if she stays on the path she's on, she can achieve that. The, the weird thing about the the, the... The soy division is like uh, we have Carolina. Carolina, yes, Carolina defeated uh, Rose, and uh, she lost to Joanna, and now she lost to Michelle. But Michelle lost to somebody else, and uh, like uh, no, there's no real, a real number one contender in this division. That's the real problem. Michelle Watterson is the clear number one contender. Or not, sorry, not Watterson. Uh, Jessica Andrade is the clear number one. Jessica Andrade. Yeah, Jessica Andrade. And, and she's going to have her what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, and Jessica Andrade is going to have her chance. Jessica Andrade is, is a good chance she walks out of Brazil, the champion. But for Carolina, like, when you see the, the fight, like, against uh, Felicia Herrick, like, she... She looked good because she did some takedown. The ground game looked good. I really thought that it's a new Carolina that we are seeing. And she, she lost Andrade by knockout in the in the first round, and now this loss against uh, Michelle Watterson. 
Uh, it's, it's a real, it's a big step back for Carolina, I believe. And now she have a fight against in US, uh, UFC. Uh, to I don't know. I think like from fighting Joanna or in Michel to now fighting against. I think we lost Wally. Yeah, he keeps cutting out and showing us his O face, ladies and gentlemen. But well, <laughs> I'm gonna pick up on what Wally's saying, and let's just talk about a dark horse real quick in this entire division, okay? The future. Let's be realistic. The future could come in and take out all these girls. Macy Barber is a beast, and she's here to stay in the UFC. Macy Barber could very easily be a future strawweight champion. Another girl we haven't discussed yet, Tatiana Suarez. Okay, there are some killers in this strawweight division. You talk about these men's divisions being stacked, this women's strawweight division is fucking stacked. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the men's featherweight uh, division. Josh Emmett taking out Michael Johnson by way of third-round knockout, and I feel like that was a knockout that he needed in order to win the fight. Randall, you said you disagreed with me. Um, you know, there was a couple other people that said, you know, he may have been behind on the scorecards, and he went in there, he was searching for that knockout, and by God, he found it. Uh, I, I couldn't be any more happier for Josh. I mean, we've talked to him, Ben and I, multiple times. I mean, he's a great guy. He's been so humble throughout this entire layoff. Uh, the guy even picked up side jobs, like doing other things, just to like keep money flow in his household over this year that he's been off. Uh, the UFC didn't even completely help him with recovery. He went out on his own and searched the right professionals and the right doctors and the right people to help him with his recovery. And to see him come out and pull off a knockout like he did, Unfortunately, he did not get the performance bonus, but I mean, I, I couldn't be any more happier than for Josh. I mean, he came out there and did exactly what we all thought he would, could and still do. Yeah, the performance of the night went to uh, Jack Hermanson, Paul Craig, and Gaethje and Barboza. Now, Jack Hermanson actually got David Branch with a slick guillotine choke 50 seconds into the fight. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, Jack Hermanson is here to stay. And, and, I mean, fuck. If you look at that middleweight division, I mean, it's wide open for Hermanson to scoot. I mean, look what Israel did in a year. Yeah. I think Israel Asani has been in the UFC for one year and three months, give or take. And he's looking at becoming an interim champion here this weekend. Oh, I know. And it's insane to think the transitions and the fights that he's taken in that amount of time. But... If you want to talk about somebody that's a real treat to have in the UFC and, uh, you know, somebody that, as a fan, you know, you, you love to watch their style because they were somebody that, uh, you know, kind of touch on what they said in the Anik Florian podcast. It's There's somebody that was born to fight. That's Justin Gaethje. You know, he came out and uh, knocked out Edson Barboza in two minutes and 30 seconds. And halfway into that first round, exactly halfway in, he had Barboza kind of on the retreat there for a second and just landed that slick, I believe it was his right hand. Correct me if I'm wrong, and it it's put many guys out, and it put out another one. No, I mean, he lives up to his name, the highlight, every single time he goes out there. The guy is a fucking human performance-winning machine. I mean, 
The guy hasn't had one fight in the UFC where he hasn't won a performance bonus. You know when Justin Gaethje steps inside the octagon, there's going to be fireworks. And when he was put up against Edison Barbosa, you just knew that it was an amazing pairing between the two and anything could happen because Barbosa is just as dangerous. So to see Gaethje go in there and take him out the way he did, I mean... Damn, Justin Gaethje looks dangerous in that 155-pound division. Yeah, absolutely. He's really, really, really good. And uh, maybe, he, like, what's next for him? I think that maybe he would uh, the number one, like, uh, a fight for a number one contender, like, for to fight for the title, maybe, because... Uh, you, how do you do that? You have a interim lightweight title fight happening this weekend. Plus, you have I a know. lightweight champion. I know. So, just let's say that Holloway or like the winner of Dustin against uh, Holloway definitely will face uh, Habib, right? Let's say that. I, Tony, I don't know, bro. What if Tony comes back? Yeah, but I don't what know. What if Connor comes back? I don't know. Do you agree with me that at least Tony deserves a title shot before these other two absolutely, guys test max? Yeah, Tony deserves a title shot before before everyone. But uh, I don't know if it's it's a long layoff. What about that? Will, what about the, Justin Gaethje versus El Kukui? Yeah, that's what that's the fight I want to talk to you about. I want to say uh, don't try to steal my ideas, Tony would be a great fight. The, 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 they both like love to. F- <laughs> they bring it all. Fucking gimmick the blood it. and you know it's uh, it's fireworks and everybody wants to see this fight. So uh, maybe, but yet uh, we need to see if Tony Ferguson is his mental health uh, is good and uh, you know. Yeah, apparently he already got cleared by UFC mental doctors or the psychologists, whatever the fuck there. Yeah. Yeah, so good for him if if he's uh, if he's really healthy, like good for him. And yeah, we want to see him in the cage uh, and maybe against Gagey. Gagey would take the fight, and I think Tony would take the fight too. I don't think Tony is the kind of fighter that will stay and wait for Habib to fight or Connor or. Oh yeah, what do you think, Ben? I think that regardless, we're getting another fight of the night. That's what I think. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter which way you cut it. We're getting another fight of the night. But, I mean, look at the way that he, he just goes in there and piles, guys. It's absolutely insane. Look what he did to James Vick. He just he, he ragdolled him. It was absolutely insane. Ever since he's lost to Dustin Poirier, he's came in with a much more calculated game plan. And I really feel like that's shown the evolution of Justin Gaethje that we've needed. Oh yeah, yeah. sometimes you need, yeah sometimes you need to lose to really evolve, and I believe that loss that loss really gave him uh, like a good lesson, and now uh, he's changed. Well, before we lose, what we're gonna discuss here on our next interview, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna throw a quick word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. What's going on? This is Damon from Tell the Monster, and you're listening to Ben and Randall on MMA Wreckage Radio. I also want to let you know you can find all of our music streaming now on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else music lives. Be sure to like us on Facebook at Tell the Monster. You have been awoken. Monsters with a story to tell, and the only thing that's stopping us from ever succeeding is the way we see ourselves and not ever believe it. It's time. 
right, guys, at this time, I would like to present Titan FC undefeated featherweight prospect, Landon Quinones. How are you doing today, Landon? I'm good, man. Just, I'm tired. Long day. Long yeah. day. Yeah, you're, you're uh, definitely training all over the place. Uh, your share dog in your topology say ATT. But when we talked on the phone earlier, you were talking about Hard Knocks 365. Yeah, I made I made the move. I, I've been I've been out of ATT since probably last November. That's just my coach trains at America is um, the owner of American Top Team Sunrise. He's been my coach for years, so he I wasn't very comfortable with my environment and what I was doing at American Top Team. So I decided to make the switch. I'm a lot more comfortable now. My training is a lot better. You know, I'm getting a lot more coaching, and I just think it was a better switch. So I'm representing Hard Knocks 365 for this fight and Team Wolfpack. So it ain't going to be American Top Team. No hard feelings. They're well, a great camp. It just wasn't for me, you know? Yeah, I know. Like, I was super confused because I know there's, like, a huge rivalry between the two. I mean, especially when you date back to the Black Zillions. So when you texted me that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, too big, man. I'm an entry-level pro. Like, I mean – I know I train hard. I know I got skills, and I believe in myself too. But like, hey, man, every day is a learning day. Like, you know what I mean? I'm the guys. Unless you're in the UFC, you're making top dollar for them. They're not gonna pay no mind to you. They're not gonna give you any instructions. So I think the move I made was better to build myself as a fighter, build my skill set. You know what I mean? Hard sparring. You know, I think I think the striking there is is very very good. At working with Henry Hooft and also we're using the techniques my head coach teaches me as well. I think it's helped me a lot. So. And you still have very high-class training partners there at Hard Knocks 365. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for real. I'm tra- and the, th- the difference is, man, I'm, I'm training with all levels, all sizes, all types of bodies. At American Top Team, if you're not the, like, the top dog, like, you're not going to get that, those, those looks, you know? You're going to get lower-level looks. You're not going to get those guys that are going to just beat you up, you know? I feel like you need that balance when you're training if you want to get better. Yeah, you can't just go in there and work guys over all day long. You're not going to learn anything. Exactly. No, no way. I want people to beat me up. If I'm being beat up in training, the fight's going to be easy. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I want to be uncomfortable. Now, you're still fairly young in your career and still as a person. What does your five-year plan look like? Man, I just, within that time, I want to be a world champ. My whole thing was when I was, when I was about 18 years old when I started this, my whole thing was being, being um, professional by about 23, or about 23, or no, no, what was it? I'm trying to think. Be in the UFC, probably around this age, you know, be the champ by 26. But, you know, I mean, I'm taking my time. I've learned it with maturity and getting older. Like, you can't rush this process, man. You got to take it one fight at a time, especially with a kid like that I'm fighting this kid. Everybody's dangerous. Like, this kid's dangerous. Like, once you fight for the shows I fought for, like, I fought the NASCAR series for Bellator, Titan FC, like, those are big promotions. And I don't care what you say, regardless of what's going on, like, if you fight in those shows, it's going to be hard to find fights, you know? A lot of tough guys are going to want my head, you know? And I'm, I'm ready for it all the time. And the most interesting aspect about this next Titan FC event is you'll be in front of Dana White fighting for the first time probably in your professional career. How does that, knowing he's going to be there, how does that play into your head? You, you can't let that pressure you. He's just another human being in the stands. Like, he's powerful. He's got money. He's got promote. He's the best promoter in the world, you know? He runs the biggest show in the world. But at the end of the day, I'm in there with Muhammad Naimov. And regardless of who, who's watching, that's irrelevant. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm all about going to the UFC. I'm all about seizing the opportunity. 
but you can't you can't think about that. That has nothing to do with the way I'm going to perform. You know, regardless of who I'm fighting, where I'm fighting, who in front of I'm fighting, it doesn't make a difference to me. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do my thing, and I enjoy what I do. I'm there because I love to fight, and that's it. You know. How do you feel this fight's going to play out? Man, it, it's a, t- a tougher fight. You know, the kid's got a good skill set. I feel like he, I have a speed advantage. You know, I feel like he might have a little bit of a size advantage, but that's okay. You know, I'm rangy. I'm long. I have very good distance management. You know, he's 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 strong. I don't know how, how good his wrestling is. I just know he's very athletic and strong and scrambly. You know, he's got good hustle. Um, but that's irrelevant, man. I'm going to go out there. I'm not really – I don't really have a specific plan. Like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to adjust as we go. You know what I mean? Great fighters make adjustments, and I'm very good at making adjustments. So, you know, you're going to see that when the fight happens. Yes, definitely. And then, uh, obviously, the main event is uh, for the featherweight title. Is that Titan FC featherweight championship something that you look for, like, capturing in the future? Oh, definitely. I was hoping to maybe get a a fight for the title by the end of the year. You know what I mean? After I fight Naimov, when I win this fight, every fight is going to be tough from here on out. So, hopefully, I can get a good route to the title, you know? Um, Soares, man, he did a few things I didn't like. You know, I I don't want to say I don't like dude. But, like, a few disrespectful things on social media, like, my boy lost a fight, and, like, to one of his guys, he's posting videos of his face and stuff, like, just kind of, like, disrespectful, like, you know, bad etiquette, you know what I mean? So, I mean, and plus, like, I don't know, I just don't like, I just don't like the hype on him. He's very good, though, you know, it's gonna be, it'd be a tough fight, but I'm, I'm ready for whatever, you know what I mean? I'm gonna take it one day at a time. How do you think you stack up against the current champ? What's up? How do you think you stack up against the current champ? Against the current champ, man, one thing I can say is dude's got real good grappling, and he is super strong, you know? I feel like on the feet, I got him all day, but as far as as, as the grappling and stuff, like, that's where the, where the, where the tough part is. I got to stay long, and the guy, he's very short. You know, I feel like I could stack up well against him, but in due time, you know what I mean? Like, right now, I'm only worried about Naimov. Uh, uh, on your way to the belt, how many fights do you see you having to take until you get that title shot? Two or three. If Soares wins, though, I think he's going to go to the UFC. If Dana White's there, like, you know, he already knows who Soares is. He's fought on the ultimate to get in the house. Like, if he wins this fight, he's probably going to go, and the title might vacate. But regardless, we'll see what happens, you know? Well, I that's think the I'm, word on the street. Dana is there to watch him fight. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, he's like, what, 12-0? and 0? Yeah, he's undefeated. Uh, I believe... That his opponent has a very nice record too. Anderson, yeah, he's seven and two. So yeah, I mean, both those my, guys. One of my training partners. He uh, fought Bruce Lichmedio. One of like my long time training partners. Now you're obviously a friend to the finish, whether it be in the first or the second round so far. How do you plan on going out there and getting the finish this time around? I'm always looking for a knockout. You know what I mean? If I catch a submission, cool. You're like, you've seen me finish fights by knockout. You've seen me finish fights by submission. Regardless, like, I can see myself stopping him in many ways. I catch a choke. You know, I gr- get on top and ground and pound. My top game has gotten way better. You know, my ground and pound game, my movement, my transitions. But on the feet is where I see it happening the most, you know. He's got good spin kicks, good, you know what I mean? Like, really strong hard kicks. But he's flat, man, and I just don't see – I think he's going to have a hard time getting to me. You know what I mean? I believe he's – not. I don't think. I know. He's going to have a very hard time getting to me. So I see myself catching him with a big shot, hurting him and putting him away, hopefully. How did you begin your MMA journey? <laughs> can I be honest? How much can I say on this? You can say whatever you want. I was. I remember I was sitting fucking in, one, in my room. I was a skinny little 17-year-old. I was smoking weed with a friend. 
and he was a huge fan of Nick Diaz. He was a U- he was a UFC he was a UFC fan. Little skinny white kid, you know, kind of a dork. He's my boy. I, st- I I haven't talked to him in a long time, but you know, we fell off a while back. But I was watching this dude just fucking beat the shit out of dudes. Like fucking, I'm hearing he's high as fuck. He's flicking off cameras. He's telling everyone, "Fuck you, fuck you." Like, you know, like I, I just loved it because it was real. You know, what I mean, this shit ain't no WWE. Like, this shit's a real fight. You know, what I mean, like I don't look at this as a sport. And I feel like looking at the guys like that, like that guy inspired me to fight. I remember. I know this kind of sounds weird because I've seen pretty much every fight. I like every fight. I'm a big student of the game. But my first time really, really watching a fight, it was GSP and Nick Diaz. And I know he lost, and that disappointed me so bad because I was, I was such a fan of him. You know, so that's kind of what made it start. I started out training three days a week, you know, bullshitting, and then I was, like, drinking, smoking, doing stupid shit. And eventually I just had a day where I'm like, fuck that. And I stopped doing everything, and I just dedicated my life to training. I was in the gym from... 8 a.m. to like 9 at night, whether I was training, helping my coach or stuff, going back to training, teaching, going back to training. Like, it just became a thing that I did every day, and now I'm here. When was that first time you stepped into an MMA gym? An MMA gym? I was 17 years old, and I believe it was February of like, I believe 2014 or 2013, something like that. What gym was it? It was Kumite MMA. It was a, it's a gym that actually st- still in Plantation. The head coach is Scott McAdam. Yeah. My first coach. Dude was crazy. Dude used to beat me up so bad <laughs> when I was a kid. Just beating me up. <laughs> beat me up. Sometimes you need it a little bit. Yeah, man. You do. That's how you get better. I don't I don't believe there's any champion in this world that hasn't got their ass whooped along the line of getting better. Doesn't They don't exist. Yo, man, if that's for me, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> Sorry, my, my coach should answer that. I'm not, I'm doing this from the gym using my coach's laptop, so. Oh, that's hey, all good. Man. There you go. He answered. Well, like I said, hey, we totally appreciate him letting you use your laptop in his office space too. That's awesome of him. Man, you love coaches like that. You know what I mean? They're definitely always there for their fighters, no matter what. And that's just that's, a great thing that you've actually found that. Yeah, man. I mean, we're an investment, like. I feel like you got to believe in your coach's system. If you want to be successful, like some people get unlucky and don't get the right coach. I feel like you get the right coach and you stick by him and you believe in his system, whether it's his conditioning methods, the way he coaches you, where he sends you to train, who he tells you to spar with, what drills he shows you. Like you got to believe it all the way through and you'll develop your own style and your own twist of the way he teaches you. And then you pass the knowledge on after that. And the one thing like we always talk to veteran fighters about, and we always ask them for advice for younger fighters and they always bring up the fact that you should go to a big gym. You should go to a gym where you're going to have killers in there with you. And you have found that in Hard Knocks 365. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call Hard Knocks a big gym. Like, you just have a stable, decent, like, tight group of guys as far as, like, in each weight class. Like, you got a few heavy guys. You got a good few 45ers, a good few 55ers, a good few 35ers, and a couple 25ers. So it's kind of like because it's all different weight classes, it seems like it's really big. But it's really not big that, that big of a team. You know what I mean? It really isn't. Like, And they won't just let anyone train there. You know what I mean? Like, It's a real family in there, and that's why I like it so much. You know, I feel like I've developed a good relationship with every single one of my teammates. You know, I was at American Top Team, and I didn't even know anyone's name. Like, No one says what's up to you. you know what I mean? There's so many fighters in that gym from all over the world all the time that like, who's going to get coaching? Who's going to meet each other? A lot of dudes don't even speak English. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just a different, different thing, you know? Now... Out of all the high-level guys, uh, who would you say you work with the most? 
For the um, for this camp, I've been working a lot with Saul Rogers. He was the guy on the season with McGregor and um uh, and Faber. He went. To, he was supposed to go in the finals, but his visa was messed up, so he couldn't make it for the finale. Yeah, I remember him in that brawl. He was one of the first guys to stand up. Yeah, he's an animal, man. I've been. I've been yeah, he got he got in Cody's face. Huh? He got in Cody No Love's face. Oh, did he? I didn't even see that. I believe like in, those in the whole brawl situation. Yeah, him and like Artem were like the first two to jump up and like get in front of Connor when they were getting that big fight. Yeah, yeah, man. That dude's an animal, bro. That dude—he's strong, man. I mean, the thing is, like, I think he's a real good look to fight because he fights kind of similar to Naimov, and he's a real good grappler. You know what I mean? Like, real good grappler. Like, and I've been—you know—you can stuff that guy's takedowns. You can stuff a lot of people's takedowns. So, you know. Do you see this fight staying on the feet or going to the ground more? Whatever, doesn't matter to me. I, I feel like it, 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 we're, I can keep it standing. You know, I feel like as soon when I start touching him and frustrating him, he's gonna try and press me to the fence, as would be a smart move. But obviously, I'm prepared for that. If he stands with me, whatever, you know, what I mean, whatever he wants to do, he might hear this and be like, "Damn, this kid is out of his mind." You know, he thinks he he knows what I'm gonna do. Whatever, I don't care what you're gonna do. You know, I don't care what he's gonna do. I'm just gonna go out there and fight. I don't know where it's gonna go. That's the that's the craziest part about fighting is the unknown. You know, you gotta tune in and watch. You'll never know. What uh, do you have official prediction for this? Hmm. Late second round, third round knockout. How is it going to happen? How's the knockout coming? Damn, you try. I can't give you all these spoilers, man. <laughs> I'm trying to place a bet, man. I don't know if I can, man. I visualize a million things. I visualize head kicks, hard left hand, short uppercut. Knee to the face, like I've, I've visualized everything, man. I can't give you an exact one. We'll see what happens. Do you expect that no, he's going to tire excited. quickly? I can't wait for it. What's up? Do you expect that he'll tire quickly trying to keep that pace? Oh, absolutely not. I know he's he's a good athlete. He's in good shape. He trains very hard. He has very good work ethic. That's one thing I can't I can't lie about. So I I doubt that, man. He's a guy that I'm I'm not going to be able to go out and just flurry him right away. You know what I mean? I'm gonna t- I'm, I'm gonna touch him out. I'm break him down. You know what I mean? One step at a time. One shot at a time. Now, you say you're a student of the game, and in the world of MMA that we're in now, there's a lot of trash talking going on, and you don't seem like you're that type of guy. You seem like you're very level-headed. You seem very serious. Like, if someone was talking, like, you would, you seem more like Jorge Masvidal. You're not going to talk shit, but if someone's going to talk shit, they're going to get hit. Facts. For real, that's how it is. <laughs> like, I'm for Sunrise, man. Listen, I'm not about gimmicks, man. Like, I tell it how it is. You know, if I think feel like I'm going to knock you out, I'm going to knock you. I feel like I'm going to knock you the fuck out, and you're not going to change my mind. If you want to fucking shut my mouth, and you want to prove me otherwise, then whoop my ass. Like, you signed the contract. He already thinks he can whoop my ass, so we're going to see April 26th. You know? I'm all about a good fight and putting on a good show, and I know he's about that, too. You know, Brian Butler's hyping him up. He's got a lot of support buying trainers, like guys like Gaethje, Peter, Jan. Good, good training partners, but guess what? So do I. You know what I mean? He's got two finishes. I've got two finishes. He trains with killers. I train with killers. You know what I mean? So it's whatever, you know? It's whatever. We're on the same boat. A lot of people are hyping him up. He's got a big following because of his home country and stuff. But, man, we're like the same. He thinks that I'm going to be an easy fight. Nah, bro. You know what I mean? You're damn, you're damn wrong, bro. I'm not. I'm not. You know what I mean? I'm no slouch, bro. He ain't going to run through me early in his career like that. It's just not going to happen, you know? We're in the same boat. I'm obviously the toughest fight he's ever fought, you know? So, we're going to see. Do you cut a lot of weight to make featherweight? 
Oh, the last two, three fights I did, but that was just, I don't, I don't want to say lack of discipline, but lack of knowledge. Like now it's like, I used to think that you needed to stay a little bit or a bit more heavy so you get strong and stuff. But like, if you notice like the last two fights, I like, I look, I don't look out of shape, but I look a little bloated. So what I've been doing for this fight is try to get more as low as I can, because I've realized just watching other fighters make mistakes, being a student is like, well, that, that takes fluid from your brain. When you dehydrate yourself like that, it really leaves it leaves your chin suspect. You know what I mean? Even though I move good, I haven't been really caught. You know what I mean? It, le- it leaves you very open and vulnerable. You know, it makes you frail. And I really I really don't want that to happen. You know what I mean? Especially for this fight. I got, you know, I'm making sure I'm on it. I'm like probably 163 right now. So I'm really being disciplined with this fight. Trying to, I'm three weeks out. Hopefully I can be 155 fight week and I'll just cut the rest on the weigh day. Feeling nice. Now... What's your, like, do you follow any kind of nutritionist or any kind of simple diets? Not really. I just kind of try to double up my protein compared to my carbs now. That's kind of what I'm what I'm starting to do now. Eat a little more greens. Eat a little more, eat a little shorter, eat more smaller portions throughout the day as opposed to eating big meals. Because when I eat big meals, I tend to bloat. You know what I mean? Like, it gets, gets me fucking feeling heavy and, like, sluggish and shit. So, you know, try to just be clean. I'm not gonna lie though, when I'm not in camp though, I'd be eating like a fifth grader, for real. <laughs> Burgers, like I'm. I'm if say you're not in nothing. camp, what's your go-to meal? Go-to meal? Oh man, I'm trying to think. I love tacos though. <laughs> I don't know why, man. I love tacos. You I can love never tacos. Never go wrong with tacos. Hell no, tacos and then sushi. Even though sushi's healthy, but the sodium and the rice bloats you up. You know what I mean? So. It's a little different. That's that's why I say that. It's a cheat. Yo, man, what's the, what's the uh, ESPN app update? I hear it going off over there. Trevor Bauer pulled off after not allowing a hit through seven innings. Oh, whatever. I don't give a shit about baseball. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I set mine so only MMA comes through, and the one I just got was the Peter Yan versus Jimmy Rivera set for June 8th, so I'm pretty excited about oh, that. Oh, nice. That's gonna be. What do you get those updates for fights? You can set that on the app. Yeah, you just set yeah. the sports you want under your yeah, notification settings. Yeah, that's a good fight, man. I like that fight. That's it's a really good fight. Scary for for Jimmy. Like Randall said, really? man, who did he piss off? Like <laughs> to keep getting right, right? the guy. Yo, don't yeah, sleep on bro. Peter Yon, bro. That dude's that dude's the truth. I watched that. That's what I mean. Beast. Like, who did Jimmy Rivera make yeah. mad? Yeah. Did he? He talked shit to him too? No, I'm wondering who he pissed off. Like Randall said, who did he make mad to keep getting all these killers that are just going to keep running through him like this? Real. I don't know. <laughs> he probably said some slick shit to the boss or something. Yo, ever since he got he got caught by Marlon, he just kind of has oh my been God. a slump. I, think he'll get it, though. Yeah, I was in there. the arena for that, and it sounded like somebody cracked a home run with a Louisville slugger. It was absolutely like... And everybody else there was from New Jersey and was rooting for Jimmy. And I was the only, like, there's only a small handful of Marlin guys in the arena. So the whole arena went silent, dude. It was perfect. Yeah. I've talked to coaches that have, like, trained Barbosa and um, uh, and Marias because, you know, they're really close friends. And, I'm, and I'm, they came to American Top Team for a short time. And, um, uh, man, I've, I've watched Barbosa kick. And I hear, like, Marlon Marias is, like, around the same thing. That dude kicks so hard, bro. Yeah, I mean that kid. That dude is one of like the, the the hardest kickers like you'll ever see, you know. Somebody I can't remember now, who, who it was, you? but he said it was. If you offered me a grand to take a leg kick from Barboza, I'd be like, nah. Hell nah, bro. Fuck that. Well, wait, For a, grand? a grand? 
I'll well, Grant, maybe I might. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. That's some money, Wait, bro. but where on my I leg, mean... though? Is it a calf kick? Is it a thigh kick? Is it to my knee? Like, be specific. As long as I don't got to go to the doctors for, like, major surgery, yeah, I'll dude, take that like, shit anywhere. If it's yeah. going to the upper <laughs> thigh. He yeah. If you hit me in the knee, we're not, not doing this. Yeah, if he <laughs> wants to kick me in, like, the thigh, yeah, maybe for I'm Grant. I'm checking that motherfucker. You kick me in the knee. <laughs> I don't care. You might kick hard, but, like, I think I'm conditioned enough to take that shit. Fuck it. I'm taking it. For a grand, I'm unconditioned. I'll take it. Hell yeah! <laughs> as long as he's not gonna like, I just like money. Kick me like he did Terry Adam. Like I'm pretty set. You know what I mean? I, like, I guess yeah. I'd take a liver shot from him for a grand too. You know what I mean? Like no a liver shot. I don't know about that, bro. You I might ask far. for fifty hundred. <laughs> like I might need one five on that. Yeah. How do you feel about 226 coming up with Max Holloway going to lightweight, taking on oh, Dustin? Man, he is my favorite fighter, man. He fights very similar, I feel, to the way I fight, but he's like the upgraded version. He's the more experienced, like, higher level version. I feel like I do a lot of similar things that he does. Like, I watch, like, the way he sets things up, like, his rangy style. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like I do a lot of similar things. I'm not trying to gas myself up, but I like, you know what I mean? Obviously, you emulate certain things and coaches teach certain things. And, like, he does a lot of great hand traps, a lot of great, like, parries, you know what I mean? A lot of really good feints, you know? Like, he's, he drops his hands to deceive you because he's very good at reading distance, you know? I love I love the things he does. He's like, I think, who, who's he fighting again? He's fighting Dustin. Dustin Poirier, yeah. But Dustin's a beast, too, you know? So yeah. that's a, He's heavy-handed like, at 155. Yeah, man. If anyone's going to beat Holloway, I think Dustin, like, is, like, the last shot at 55. Like, who at 55 is going to beat him other than maybe Khabib? You know what I mean? Honor. Connor, yeah, but they fought and like he didn't like kill. He, that was Holloway as a kid, you know. They're two different guys now. Well, that's yeah. like Poirier. Holloway, Poirier Holloway beat him when he was a kid. Who did? Poirier. Oh yeah, Poirier too. Yo, they Poirier, all these kids. That was that was his <laughs> UFC debut, Holloway's. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a whole different beast now. Facts for real. This he went from a like, UFC debuting super to a fucking possible goat. Yeah, for real. He's like a D, he's like a D, uh, upgraded Diaz with like head movement and like elusiveness, you know? Like so much volume, but like he doesn't sit there to get hit. He moves off. He's, you know what I mean? He's, he's real good, you know? And if you ask other fighters and other champions, he's their favorite fighter to watch and their favorite champion to watch. I love how he talks shit in the fight because he makes it real. You know what I mean? He wants to just break you. Because, like, oh, yeah. man, I've done that and like dudes just want to come at you because they feel like their egos hurt. It, they stop relaxing, you know? They start getting annoyed, you know? Well, like when him and Lamas just pointed at the fucking ground and just went at it. Bro, okay. That's like fucking. I know that's like one of the most amazing moments in our sport. Oh yeah, facts for real. That was one. Of, that was one of my favorite fights. Hey, how do you feel about the style bender going up against uh, Calvin Gastelum for that interim middleweight title? Man, like Max does a lot of like boxing stuff and like really slick movements. Israel does like kind of that, but mixed with a lot of traditional like really high level kickboxing technique. You know what I mean? Like, he does a lot of goofy stuff, but he does a lot of really good, like, match the way he matches distance, the way he moves his feet, the way he faints. He's another one that's sick. I forgot about him. That's crazy. He's fine. Oh, I man. think, honestly, though, Gaslam's tough, though. I, you're going to really see, like, if Gaslam can mix it up on him, then maybe he can catch him or, like, get the takedown. You know what I mean? He, but he's got to, like, wrestle and strike. You know? I feel like he has to do both. Like, he can't just, like, try to take him down. You know? Hey, Atlanta to- isn't that far from Fort Lauderdale. Who? Atlanta's not that far from Fort Lauderdale. Nah, it's not. It's a hop, skip, and a jump. That's where the fight. That's where he's fighting. Yeah, yeah it's next weekend. Which fight is next weekend? 
The 226. Both oh, those Mac. Gastelum? Yes. Yo, I didn't really peep. That was that close. It's crazy. Yes. Oh. Fuck. Fuck going up to, to Atlanta, though. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I got money for that. You think because I fight for Titan, I'm making that much money? Nah. I'm still, I'm still getting up there. Speaking of what you do on your spare time, what is uh, Landon Quinones like outside of the cage? Chilling. I like I like doing doing simple things, man. I go to watch fights, you know. I go out places with my girl. Like I'm pretty I'm pretty like much a homebody like lately though, to be honest. Like yeah, I had a recent car accident, so I've been sharing a car with my girl, and like we've been just trying to make money, you know what I mean? So I've been just trying to like save up and do just pri- do priorities, you know. I'm really big on like building myself, you know. I don't party too much, you know. Once in a blue moon, I do, but you'll never see me getting wild and crazy. Like it's just not my thing, you know. I'm really dedicated to what I do. I do a lot of like when I'm not in camp, I do a lot of I do a lot of training also. Like I just do, but more I lighten it up more. Um, I'm trying to think, man, I really haven't been doing much lately. Yeah, man. <laughs> Outside of fighting, what do you do for a living? Well, I, do, I train people. I'm a coach as well. So being a coach, that's why I study so much. Like I love to coach. Like I feel like when I'm done fighting, I want to open up my own school. You know what I mean? I want to be be comfortable, well off, and I want to spread the knowledge. You know. Any particular plans for that gym already? Maybe something that you could... Nah, nah. I mean, honestly, like, I have a very, very aspiring fight career. Like, I want a great fight career. I want to really focus on myself. And I feel like if you have your own school or if you have your own gym or you're doing things along that lines, focusing on other people, regardless of how much you train or what you do, your mind is never going to be focused on yourself the way it needs to be. And I feel like you can... I don't know how many fighters there are that own schools that are successful, that are dedicated to their school for real that like are successful with their current fighting career either they're they're teaching teaching and they're losing or they let someone else run their gym and then they train you know what i mean that's different but a lot of people that own their own school and are teaching classes every day and stuff like it's really hard to, to do that and also train like you need to do for fights you know yeah well i was at extreme couture this last weekend and i got a split second with ryan couture and he runs the gym and i was actually asking him about that situation and so what he does is he has somebody when he's in camp Somebody else runs the day-to-day operations, so that way he can just focus all on his fight. Yeah, you see, but I don't got no super camp like Extreme Couture. That's like another American <laughs> top. That gym's huge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, don't got, I don't got a gym like that. You know, that's that's a very you know, nice he's, gym. He's definitely well off. You know, his dad is one of the goats of the sport. You know I mean, he's good. That's different. You know what I mean? But like me, like I'm just coming up. You know, I'm coming up from nothing. I come from Sunrise, Florida. Like I don't, I don't got, I come from nothing, you know? You know, I, I ain't fed with a silver spoon, you know? I'm coming out here. I work hard for what I do, and you know, what I mean, like I make a lot of sacrifices for the sport. I make a lot of sacrifices to train like I do every day, and it's taken years of build up, like having hopping job to job, working on sales, working in customer service, working in restaurants, working in kitchens, like doing all this stuff. And then now I've, I found coaching. I started working at a gym for dirt. I built up my clientele. You know what I mean? I was able to break off from that that without burning bridges, of course. Like you know, I didn't take any clients there, but I was able to build myself and get to the point to where I have enough to at least survive, break even, make money and like dedicate myself to what I love. You know, this is going to, this is like my college. You know what I mean? A lot of people have school and other careers. Like this is my career, you know? I think it's amazing that you've dedicated yourself so much to this. It really, it speaks to you. There's guys that and I've said this so many times on the, the amount of episodes, I've said this on more than three quarters of them that 
if you find somebody who's willing to dedicate their life to the sport, and who's willing to live and breathe and die by it, then they're going to make it. And that's something that you have, a quality that you have. And I really look forward to seeing, you know, what the future holds for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Seriously. I'm excited too, man. I've, I've really worked hard, you know. The opponent was finally confirmed for me like a couple days ago. So I mentally prepared myself. I visualized. I've sat down. You know, I still got three weeks and I'm in phenomenal shape. You're going to see the best landing Quinones you've ever seen. For sure. 100%. And as far as names that might be on that hit list next, do you have anybody else for, you know, future? I couldn't, I couldn't hear you cut off. Is there any names that you'd like, you know, that are on that hit list for the future? Man. Man, I'm trying to think. And Titan, man, the thing is, Titan is um is an international organization, but they're always bringing in new guys. So, like, the division's not really... I don't want to say it's unstable, because, you know, there's always people to fight. There's always people to fight. There's always also a lot of people to fight. Really bad interference from you there. I want to apologize to everybody for these technical difficulties we're having in one second. What part? The whole thing. I'm sorry. I missed the entire thing there. What part? Would you ask me? Ask me again. Well, who's, your, who's on your hit list? I was talking about this Giannis kid, this Greek kid. I forgot. He has like some long ass name. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the way he fights. He's tough, but he's 3-0, and and I think stylistically after that, my strike is way better than his. Yeah, I mean, he's 3-0 and right now, and I, I think that old got to go. So maybe after this fight, you'll see me with him. But right now, I'm not really too worried about who's next. I'm more worried about Naimon. You know what I mean? I got to focus on him. He's a tough fight, regardless of what I think, regardless of what I know. And, you know, I, I know I still got a challenge ahead of me, bro. This is MMA. I, don't, I will never allow the, the aura of invincibility to come over me. You know what I mean? I will never allow that. Everyone's dangerous. Everyone's got a puncher's chance, regardless of where they're at. So, Excellent, man. And this is the point in the interview where we like to wind things down and give you an opportunity to give love or shout out to your sponsors or teammates or anyone who's helped you along your dream and made journey. Man, uh, hold on one sec. I just don't want to forget nobody. Give me two seconds. He wrote it down. I didn't write it down. I just got some people <laughs> I got on my Instagram or something. A uh, big shout out to Relax and Get Results, my guy Daniel. He's been doing a lot of massaging and cup therapy, which, in all honesty, out of all recovery I've done, that is like one of the only things I've done that really works. I couldn't move my neck after sparring, and he had me moving all over the place after I worked with him. Uh, also, MJ Tax Services. These people have been with me since day one. You know what I mean? They provide me the most support out of out of a lot of out of all my sponsors. To be completely honest, they're there for me. They did my taxes. That you know what I mean? They helped me financially and put to finance my camp. Uh, they're in the Pompano Beach area. Please go check them out. Um, also, Broward Vape and Smoke, they hooked me up with some CBD products. I appreciate them. Uh, Treehouse Blend CBD, uh, they make CBD teas and uh, THC drinks as well. I really appreciate them. Um, uh, also, Fitwear Brand for hooking up, hooking me up with my shirts, my Lone Wolf shirts. By the way, you guys should totally get shirts, man. My shirts are dope. Yeah, I mean, real simple. They got like that roots of the fight look, so you got to get those. Uh, hold on one second. Let me see. Make sure I'm not forgetting nothing. Also, shout out to my coach, uh, Master Roger Crawl. Also, uh, Henry Hoof, Coach Greg Jones for helping me in my wrestling so much for this camp. I appreciate you so much. Coach Kami Barzini, uh, my training partner, Saul Rogers, Bruce Lutch Mediol. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's about it. Oh, and my boy Michael Tavares, my, my jiu-jitsu coach. He's awesome. 
forgot about him. Cool. And then where can the fans find you on social media? Uh, Lone Wolf, double underscore, 145. Excellent. Two underscores. Two underscores. And again, Landon will be fighting at Titan FC 54 Friday, April 26th, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Get your tickets fast as they're going to go quick, guys. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Excellent, Landon. And uh, we will see you again, brother. No problem. I'm going to go take a shower and go to bed. <laughs> thank Perfect, you so much, bro. Man. Of Have course. Thank you, man. Laters. This is Isaiah Sacchiel. You're listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. Enjoy. Now, I sit here... And I was really complex this weekend because I didn't have any UFC on. And must, like most people, I was really confused on what to do with most of my Saturday night. But unlike most people, I knew about the most greatest alternative you could have found on Saturday night. And I'm sitting here talking about Cage Wars 41. Let me tell you, from top to bottom... It was a completely great night of fights. You saw future UFC stars in the making. You saw people put on beatings worse than Waleed did to his, some of his slaves. I mean, let's be realistic here. This was some of the best nights of amateur fighting that I have seen in my entire life. To start off this great card was one of the sleeper fights. These two guys have never been in a fight before and almost stole the entire show. Neil Petkiss defeated Austin Shoup by unanimous decision. Uh, ben, I know you were doing play-by-play, or sorry, not play-by-play, you were doing uh, the... Uh, Post-fight interviews. I can't talk. Sorry, I couldn't think it up. So they were looking at Wally going crazy. So Ben did all the post-fight interviews. Uh, tell me a little bit, what was Neil's reaction after he came out in that unanimous decision? He was very upbeat and very happy. Um, it was, you know, you could tell he wanted to bounce around, but he had to stay in front of the camera. So, uh, but, you know, the, the, the fight was great. It had a lot of great back and forth ground game. Uh, Shoup came back in the third and was, you know, trying to do enough, but he couldn't quite get it. Uh, and Petkus got that unanimous decision. And like I said, he was very grateful, very happy that he went out there and got that win to uh, move forward in his mixed martial arts journey. But yeah, from- Pekis looked great on the ground. Uh, Austin Shoup, though, his striking is does not look like a fucking O&O fighter. It looked like a seasoned vet. It looked like a kid who's been in there and who shouldn't have shin guards on. Well, see, and that was the thing is, you know, these guys, a lot of people were asking me, why, do these, why were some fights having uh, the shin guards, why were others not? And it all has to do on your record. If you or your opponent has two or, le- or less than two fights, you have to. It's a novice bout. You have to have the, uh, the shin guards on. Uh, there's no ground and pound to the head, things like that. Um, so, and it'd been, fortunately, the USMTA is nice enough to let me sit through uh, their fighter meetings. So thank you to, you know, Ed Kenner for that. But the next fight the was next fight. Oh, Payne and Dan Calixt, and that was an interesting fight. Uh, it was basically a striker versus a grappler, and Tan- uh, Tanner Payne just couldn't get anything going. Uh, it was the first punch he threw. He broke his fi- one of his fingers. That's why if you uh, watch the tape when it comes out on YouTube, you'll see that he uh, he throws a punch, and he looks at his hand. And he kind of shakes it off and then goes back to the fight. Uh, but Dan Dan Calixt just showed 
some of the most dominant grappling I've ever seen, um, you know, throwing Tanner around the cage. He was able to sit on top of him and work the body. As I said, there was no ground and pound to the head, so he had to work the body, and uh, he, he did great. It was one of those fights where if they weren't in novice rules, I feel like Dan would have got the finish. Oh, yeah. 100%. He would have been able to, to work the body and the head with the ground and pound, and the ref would have had to step in there and stop it. Definitely. And then the next fight, we had uh, James Carroll beat Brandon Gilmore by a second-round rear-naked choke submission. It was clean, too. Uh, James went in there and just put it on Brandon the entire fight, I felt like. And then once they hit the ground, it was all over. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think James Carroll really deserves a step up in competition. I think that James Carroll's the real deal here. Um, he's huge. All right, you know, and when I'm six he's foot tall and I'm looking division. up at somebody, uh, yeah, and he fights it. What was this a middleweight fight? 85. Yeah, 185. So when you're, he's just ginormous. I think he's the real deal. Um, so I just want to say that everybody look out for James Carroll. Yeah, he almost had submission of the night. Yeah, almost. But unfortunately, there is a couple more slick submissions on the card. Moving up, uh, this was where the controversy in the night. Uh, reared its ugly head, I guess is how we'll say this, in the Nate Austin versus Eddie Acosta. And uh, what was a great fight, it was rather back and forth, almost made fight of the night on my vote. Uh, Eddie Acosta ended up winning the majority decision, um, but like I said, not without controversy, there was an error. And uh, I'm not sure if it was in the judges' scorecards or uh, an error with the uh I believe with they the said announcer. it was in the judges' scorecard. But they ended up saying that Nate Austin had won. And at Acosta, they called him back into the cage. And it was oh, Nate error. Austin, you could see, was visibly upset. Um, well, we'll talk more off air about what I saw backstage. Um, but, you know, just what a terrible thing to have happen. Nate Austin definitely gave his heart in that and you know, thought he had done enough for the win, but it, unfortunately it wasn't enough. And I really want to see him go back to the drawing board and come out and get the win the next time. I think he can do it. But the next, the fight, next fight, yeah, earned our fight what? of the night. <laughs> yeah, Omar Waddell uh, came out with the unanimous or majority decision, sorry, over Colin Madison. And that was a great fight. Back and forth. Uh, I honestly thought Colin Madison won the fight, personally. Uh, but the judges gave it to Omar Waddell. Uh, like Dana always says, do not leave it in the hands of the judges. Well, Waddell had a great. huge slam, too. And then the third round, man, they let their hands go. It was insane. I feel like Waddell was hurt maybe once or twice in that exchange. But uh, it was just an absolutely phenomenal fight. It was one of those ones that you're standing there watching, and I'm, you know, like 30 feet from the cage. I'm like, holy shit, look at this. Oh, my God. Like, the whole time, it was insane. Uh, it was just, you know, 30-27, 29-28, 29-28. I believe the third round would have went to Colin Madison. Uh, and, you know, hats off to these guys. What an amazing fight. Yeah, and then this next fight, man, Harley Locklear went in there and knocked out Nathaniel Grubman in 50 seconds. And all the way up until Isaiah Sacchio's fight, it was my pick for fight of the night. Knockout. I mean, Harley yeah. looked amazing. Looked amazing in there. 
Uh, he's 1-0 and now. I can't wait to see him back at Cage Wars 145-pound division. Well, as long as we're staying with that 145 pounds. him against Robbie. Yeah, that would be a really interesting fight, uh, which that was our next fight on the card. Kyle Kaler getting that unanimous decision and absolutely picking apart uh, Robbie Bellamere. I believe, you know, I would have scored it with a couple of 10-8 rounds, nothing against Bellamere, but, uh, you know, great striking through three rounds. Uh, Bellamere's a tough kid. Uh, Kyle Kaler had split him open at one point. And, and I think the issue lied in the fact that Kyle was able to kind of smack talk and get into his head there in the cage. And I think that's what did well, they both went back and forth, though. Oh, well, I, yeah. And I think I think that Kyle was, was a little bit more effective. I think his was the one that worked more. He got into he got into Colin or uh, to Robbie's head. And I just it. think that Kyle's striking it was just far superior to Robbie's. Oh yeah, but Kyle's boxing is no joke. That dude can box. I mean, he's got the heart of Marine, and he's a fucking fighter. I mean, the, <laughs> the kid can box. Well, let's talk about the next fight: Jose Carrasquero versus Nolan Brandt. Um, Randall, you got your uh, chance to really get to know Jose. I got a chance to really get to know Nolan throughout my weekend. And uh, they're both phenomenal people, great athletes. And uh, Jose was just able to go out there and dominate his way and, and win the fight. You know, it was back and forth groundwork throughout the first round, a couple of submission attempts on the uh, leg kicks, uh, back and forth. Uh, but that was the, the main story, was the, the grappling and the leg kicks of Jose that was able to give him this fight. Well, I mean, Jose kicks like a fucking Mack truck. I mean, oh, this guy's got tree trunks and legs, first of all, and he just throws them with such ferocity, the way he switches his hips and throws. He's very hard to hit, and uh, he can obviously swim. He went out there and shot that blast double right on Nolan just to prove that you want to take it to the ground, we can go there. Yeah, and then he Nolan, got two additional uh, takedowns in the third. Yeah, and I talked to Jose directly after the fight. He was probably maybe like 30 minutes. It was right before the main event. And uh, the first thing he told me was, I need to get back in the gym and work on my jiu-jitsu. I mean, the dude's a future champion, for sure. Well, you want to talk about people in the you know who have a bright future. Let's talk about Brendan Kennedy, MVMMA's newest prospect, the youngest guy to ever claim gold inside the Cage Wars cage. Uh, he took on Adam Barrett and was able to just yeah, win the title of the first-round stoppage. It was absolutely phenomenal. It took him a minute and nine seconds to work through Adam Barrett. And let me just say that if you guys haven't been to a, a title fight or a, a fight and had MVMMA in the crowd, it's absolutely phenomenal, especially when both the Duelin brothers were there. It's entertaining to say the least. But, you know, Brendan Kennedy is the new 135-pound champion, and I think he definitely deserves that. And uh, the the coach told me that night, his coach said, Brendan Kennedy will be in the UFC someday. Mark my words. So if that doesn't say something to you, I mean, you know, what will? No, I mean, I definitely have to agree with that. Uh, Brendan is a fucking beast inside that cage. Uh, hats off to Adam Barrett. He was just wasn't his night. Uh, Brendan looks phenomenal, and I can't wait to see him go in there and defend that 135-pound Cage Wars title. And then the super lightweight title was on the line. The fight lasted 37 seconds as David Hawker was able to take out Cole Alexanian <laughs> with that beautiful Kimura. And it started with a, uh, an attempt for a takedown by Cole. He had the back. 
And uh, the second that he got that the arm around, it was, uh, you know, David Hawker went for that Kimura and was able to work it out. The small island man there making big dreams happen. Good for him. Congratulations to him and his family on that. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. It was an honor to interview you. And, uh, you know, thank you again for an entertaining fight. Yeah, I mean, the kid is going to have a very bright future, not just in Cage Wars, but I believe in the UFC. Uh, David Hawker is the real deal, and don't be surprised if before 2020 you see him in the pro ranks. And that was our submission of the night as well. Uh, moving on to Connor Rideout versus Paul Parent, another quick work submission there. Connor Rideout's able to secure a rear naked choke over a top-ranked Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Jukau uh, jiu-jitsu uh, fighter as well, out of Jukau and uh, Schenectady, excuse me. And then uh, moving up, we have Jonathan Piersma versus Isaiah Sakial. That ended up being the our knockout, knockout of the night. night. Yeah, with one second Fuck left. Me. One second left. And it was a come-from-behind win. I mean, Jonathan Piersma had Isaiah Sacchiao in a very deep rear-naked choke in the first round. Obviously, it only went one round, so obviously it was in the first round. But Piersma had him in a very deep rear-naked choke. Uh is a real deal. I mean, the kid is no slouch. Uh, you could He's got a bright future here in Cage Wars. There's already another fight lined up for him. Uh, this was his very first loss ever. I mean, the kid fucking went in there and put it on Isaiah Sacchiao. The only problem is he made one mistake, and Isaiah Sacchiao is the type of fighter you cannot make any mistakes on because he was capitalized, and he had that big head kick knockout. And it was now, the main event of the evening gave Jeremy Wilfork the opportunity to become the very first Cage War simultaneous champion, and he went in there and did just that. As he finished Jonathan Marconi two minutes and 30 seconds into the first round. So there's only 30 seconds left in the round. I mean, it was an amazing performance by Jeremy. Uh, his wrestling is just so fucking good for somebody his size. It's phenomenal. Uh, he's completely undefeated 5-0, and and now he's a double champion. And I think that the respect that the two showed back and forth was the most amazing part of the evening for me. Um, it was funny because if you listen to the post-fight interview, uh, I talked to Jeremy and he says, well, I'll be honest with you, I think he hit me with a fucking bat. And then if you listen carefully, you'll hear Marconi start laughing. And then uh, he says, he's got heavy hands. And then you hear him go, thanks, Jeremy, from across the fucking curtain. It was absolutely hysterical. These guys were talking and just being friendly all weekend. It was a beautiful thing to see as a fan. It's what the sport is all about. And I think the most amazing part was as I was walking to check out of the hotel that next uh, that next morning. Sorry, I was away from the mic there for a second. And uh, I'm going to check out, and they're talking. If you watch the fight, they're kind of like, there's a running takedown, and they clear one side of the cage to the other before Marconi gets him to the ground. And uh, they were talking about that, and I hear, uh, or before Wolfo gets him to the ground, and they were talking about that, and Wolfo goes, Honestly, I remember seeing a flash of his shoes, him talking about the ref, and all I could think was, oh, God, I hope I didn't just run him over. So, like, it was a very, very close call for the ref in that situation, but good job to, I believe it was uh, Alexis Phoenix, 
No, it was uh, either Steve Rita or Mike Waltzer that was in the cage uh, for that. I'm sorry, I, I believe it may have been Mike. But, you know, good job to them for being able to get out of the way because that is uh, almost 600 pounds a person that you don't want to get run over by. But on that note, we are going to throw it to a quick word to our sponsors, and we will be right back. Super excited for Cage Wars 42. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. That's going to be a great card in June. Oh, I can't wait. Hey, this is Lex McMahon, the CEO of Titan FC, and you are listening to MMA Wreckage Radio. All right, guys, at this time, I am very excited to talk to you about this very stacked card we have coming up here on Saturday night. Uh, from top to bottom, just completely great. Uh, the UFC hasn't been back in Atlanta in a very long time. They're officially going there now. I believe the last fight in Atlanta was... 201 so it's been a while um this is headlined by two interim title fights we have the interim lightweight title fight it is the main event max holloway is going to be stepping up in weight to take on dustin poirier for the vacated or sorry not for the vacated for the interim lightweight title and then calvin gastelum and israel adesanya will be squaring off for the middleweight interim title that fight will take place with Bobby Knuckles later on this year. We're not too sure about the lightweight title picture, but we'll get into all of that later. Um, to start the show off, though, we have a great night to early prelims. This is going to be, I believe, one of the first cards where UFC Fight Pass has the prelims on Fight Pass. The welterweight, or sorry, the bantamweight division is going to be kicking it off. We have Brandon Davis against Randy Costa. Then for the women's flyweight, we have Lauren Mueller versus Pollyanna Bartello. And I know uh, Ben over there is a big Lauren Mueller fan. Lauren Murphy fan, actually. Oh, well. Murphy. Close Maybe enough. he just likes Lawrence. Close enough. Bantamweight contenders Montel Jackson is going to be taking on Anton, uh, Andre Sukumta. And then to cap off the ESPN, or sorry, the UFC Fight Pass early prelims, Curtis Millinder is going to be taking on Bilal Muhammad, uh, and that's going to be a great fight. I love watching Bilal fight. You know he always brings this. And uh, Curtis, Curtis Millinder is another guy who is constantly bringing it. I mean, I believe Millinder just fought in one of the last couple of pay-per-views. Uh, it looked great. Bilal Muhammad, I believe, is coming off a loss. Uh, it's going to be a great and exciting fight. It's a, it's a really good fight for uh, an early prelims. Like uh, I think they they do you think they did it on purpose, right? I think so. I think that they're trying to boost their UFC fight pass. Yeah, they so. got to get people watching on fight pass. That's what they need to do. So they throw guys like Blau Muhammad versus Kel, uh, Curtis Millinder on there and hope to God they'll bring well, in some I'll, revenue. This fight could very easily be the regular prelims main card fight or main fight. Oh, yeah, easily. absolutely. But starting off the fights on the ESPN portion of the prelims, Boston Salmon's finally making his UFC debut. You might remember him from his amazing performance on the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He's going to be taking on Khalid Taha. Uh, that's an interesting matchup. Uh, uh, I'm super excited to see Boston. We weren't able to see him right away after he won his contract at the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series because of an injury but now that he's fully healthy we're finally going to get to see him at 100 percent and we'll see what he brings to that bantamweight division 
And Max Payne Griffin. Yes, he's Max back. Payne, man. I'm super excited about that welterweight fight. He's fighting Zaleem Amadouf. Probably fucked that one up, but oh well. Max Payne Griffin is looking phenomenal. I mean, as a welterweight, he's kind of gone back and forth, back and forth. He's lost to guys like Curtis Millinder. He lost to Thiago Alves. But then he's beaten guys like Mike Perry. He beat Eric Montano. He beat David Mitchell. I mean, he's only really lost to top-level guys. Colby Covington, Ezeal uh, Dos Santos, fucking Curtis Millinder, Thiago Alves. I mean, the guy goes out there and puts on a show every single time. Uh, I believe his fight against Azil Zalik Dos Santos was a fight of the night. I mean, maybe we'll see another fight of the night performance. I believe <clears throat> Max Griffin is definitely though going to be changing his position here in the UFC very soon and begin to be getting uplifting opponents if he gets past this fight on Saturday night. Oh. For flyweight, we got Wilson Reyes. He's going to be taking on Alexandra Pantera. Uh, Wilson Hayes is Wilson Hayes. I mean, the guy's gone in there and he's very dominant. Uh, we have another flyweight fight. It's a very good thing to keep seeing these flyweight fights. That means that there's still flyweight fighters in the UFC. Currently, we still have a flyweight champion. He is going to be moving up to Bantamweight to take on Marlon Marais. We'll talk a little about that a little bit later in our outro. But, I mean, I'm just happy to see flyweights on cards still. Oh, me yeah, too. Yeah, Wilson Reigns, uh, his level of jiu-jitsu is a really high level, so it's, uh, it's really good to... It's very uh, exciting to see him fight. Uh, he's a great fighter, so, yeah, it's a good fight. It's good to see the, the, the flyweights uh, still... Uh, fighting in the UFC. Now, one of the more interesting names that I'm definitely keeping an eye on right now is Jalen Turner, the tarantula. I mean, the kid's amazing. Um, we had fucking his coach on. He just spoke wonders about Jalen Turner, and it wasn't even one of the guys that we brought up to him. It was one of the guys that he actually brought up to us. Uh, the tarantula has looked amazing since he stepped into the UFC. And I feel like he's just going to continue to walk through people. I believe his last fight, he had an amazing stoppage. And we'll just continue that finish streak from here. Well, what about the next fight? OSP, it's our first fight. The main card. Yeah. OSP and Nikita Krylov. Oh. That's, I mean, that's another very interesting fight. OSP looks like a guy where every time you turn around, he seems to put together a couple wins. You know what I mean? Then he'll lose a big fight, put together a couple wins. Well, unfortunately for his opponent, he just lost to Dominic Reyes. And OSP, besides once in his career, hasn't really lost back-to-back in the UFC. Um, the guy is a beast. And I feel like he's definitely found his niche in this light heavyweight division. And I'm very interested to see what is going to become of him. Talk yeah, about guys in your coming up from a loss, from a loss, right? Yes, uh, Nikita just lost. I believe Nikita just lost to John Blokovich, and yeah. then OSP lost to Dominic Reyes. Yeah. So now one of the next the next fight on the main card, we have a welterweight battle between Alan Joban and Dwight Grant. We had Dwight Grant on uh, last week's episode. Uh, great guy, super humble. Can't wait to see him take on Alan Joban. I feel like it's a step up in competition. Those guys in AKA really do bring it, though. 
I don't see Dwight Grant having a boring performance in the UFC anytime soon. I'm super excited to see this fight. Oh, myself as well. I think that Dwight Grant really will carry in what he needs to do to be able to overthrow this 10th Planet Black House guy and uh, walk out with a W. And if you ask me, he's what I'm picking. I think he's going to use one of those heavy hands to uh, get the finish. Yeah. I don't know shared uh, something on uh, Instagram that's uh, like some statistic about him. He's, he's ranked uh, third uh, in the significant strike land per minute and seventh in significant strike uh, accuracy and fourth in the significant strike differential So and fourth in knockdown. So he's, uh, he's a real good uh, welterweight, so you know that uh, you can't uh, mess with uh, Alan Jubon. Even even if many uh, many uh, people say that he have a glass jaw, I don't believe that. I don't believe he have a glass jaw. No, I mean we'll see on Saturday night. But Dwight Grant has fucking dynamite in his hand. Yeah, he's if he's got a glass jaw, then Dwight Grant's gonna be the one to break it. We'll see. Exactly. We'll see if he really have a glass jaw or not. Now, this next fight, I'm super interested in. Oh, Eric oh. Anders is finally making that jump to light heavyweight, and he's going Where to be taking on a killer in Khalil Roundtree Oh, Jr. it's going to be crazy. Khalil Roundtree went it's out there and got stopped by Johnny Walker, and he uplifted his entire camp and moved his entire family down to Thailand to work on his clinching game. I mean, Khalil Roundtree Jr. is doing all the right moves to become a successful mixed martial artist. Unfortunately, though, he's going up against an all-American linebacker in Eric Anders. Yeah. And I think Anders Khalil. might have another uh, finish in him this weekend. We shall see. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's really tough to guess who's going to who's gonna win because, uh, I don't know. Like Khalil Rudner, like uh, the the time he fought against Gokhan Saki, everybody was talking about Gokhan Saki that he's going to win by knockout, and then he knocked he, he knocked him out. So my Yeah, I was really, guilty of one of those people saying that yeah. Gokhan Saki was going to win, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, so we can't really know if he's going to win. Yes, he lost to Johnny Walker, but Johnny Walker is the real deal. So a loss against Johnny Walker is not really... It doesn't really hurt his career, I believe, because Johnny Walker is real. Is the real big deal. No, yeah, like, for sure. A couple months, he's gonna, he's gonna fight, he's gonna fight for the title. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now we have one of our two interim title fights up next. The co-main event, middleweight contenders Calvin Gastelum takes on Israel Adesanya. The last style bender is going to be taking on one of the most heavy-handed and best wrestlers he's faced in the UFC. Um, I know his last fight against Anderson was probably his most high-profile fight, but Calvin Gastelum is definitely the toughest competition that Israel Adesanya will have standing across from him up to date. I think Israel Adesanya is going to make Calvin Gastelum look like a fat welterweight. No, I mean, it's very easy. Israel Adesanya's striking is fucking amazing. Like, the more and more you watch him, you just see that there's completely different levels to this game. Like, even when you see great striking technicians like John Jones, they look like they're a step behind Israel Adesanya. Uh, Israel Adesanya is the real deal, like we've talked about. I mean, the kids have been here for a fucking year and two months, and he's already going 
to possibly become the interim middleweight champion with an opportunity to go face Robert Whitaker. I think that fight is fucking huge. You put that fight in New Zealand or Australia, I think you sell out a stadium easily. Yeah, it's a good, it's it's a great fight. It's a great uh, middleweight fight. Israel Adesanya looks amazing. Kevin Gassinum is very dangerous. But I have just one problem uh, vis-a-vis this fight. Is, uh, why is it for the interim uh, middleweight title? I know that uh, Whitaker is uh, injured, but I don't believe that any of the, those two fighters deserve to fight for the title right now. I believe they need one win to go fight for the it shouldn't be a fight for the belt. For real. It should be a, t- a trio. I think, I think this is the perfect opportunity for an interim title. I have to completely strongly disagree with your statement. I think this is one of the only times the UFC has got it right when it comes to an interim title fight. Bobby Knuckles was unable to compete at UFC yeah. 234. It was a last-minute thing. It was an unfortunate circumstance. Calvin yeah. didn't fight. Israel walked out unscathed. This was the fight to make. I know, but me, I was, I was against the Kelvin Gastelum fighting for the title at the first place. So this is why, for me, this is this fight should not be for the belts. You know, like for you, maybe who? you thought that it was who else? Kelvin. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me, the, the, there's two guys who deserve to fight for the belts. There's Joel Romero. Yeah, maybe he lost uh, to to to. Uh, but he always deserves to fight for twice. And Jacare, for me, this is too. Yes, Kelvin defeated Jacare, but I don't know. So did Robert Whitaker. So Robert Whitaker and Chris. Yeah, but Chris White. He lost to Chris Weidman like uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, no, like just a couple months ago, like in 2017. But uh, yeah. Maybe just me that uh, maybe I'm weird. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Well, that's a whole other podcast segment right there, man. I mean, if we're going to get yeah. into that, that's Am a... I weird or not? <laughs> now, the most interesting matchup, I think, of the entire night is definitely the main event. And a lot of people were confused on why lightweights were being put above the middleweights. And Dana White gave a very simplistic answer to that. All four gentlemen on Saturday night will be fighting for interim championships, but Max Holloway is the only UFC champion, and that's why he is main eventing this card. Max Holloway is stepping up from featherweight. He is the featherweight king. He's stepping up to lightweight to challenge for the interim lightweight title against Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier is the very first loss in Max Holloway's career. It's his first UFC loss. It was his very first UFC fight. Max Holloway has had a bad taste in his mouth ever since then, and that taste has been Dustin Poirier. And this Saturday, he looks to wipe that slate clean. Do you think he does it? I think that the output that he's going to do is going to be way too much for Dustin. I do not, I think if Dustin has a chance to beat Max, it's in the first or second round. I think if it yeah. goes past the first or second round, Max is going to own you all day long. Max Holloway is like a great baseball team. He doesn't really get started until the in later rounds. I mean, it is what it is. That's how he fights. You watch his two fights against Aldo. It looks like he's losing the first and second round, comes back and fucks him up. Uh, and it looks like he lost a round at Aldo, fucking Brian Ortega came out there and fucked him up in the later rounds. That's what he does. He's one of those uh, 
you kind of need to get him get him charging to go. Yeah, his, his performance against Brian Ortega was uh, on another level. I believe Holloway. I may, maybe Holloway. Maybe he may be the only one, except for maybe Tony Ferguson, that can beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. I believe. Okay, we almost believe, had that fight, man. Uh, he, <laughs> he have the cardio. He have the striking. He have. He even have the the the, the takedown defense and the. the his, I was really so impressed about. His performance against uh, against Brian Ortega, but Dustin Poirier looked looked very 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 good in his last three fights. He, not say fourth, he against Eddie Alvarez. He destroyed Eddie Alvarez. He looked terrific against Justin Gagey. He defeated Anthony Perez. So yeah, tough match. Tough prediction now, to make. If I make, I make a prediction, I'll say much. Got you guys here. Well, I got you guys here real quick. That's that, That's the one thing I did want to have you guys do is make a prediction. Let's start off with that middleweight title fight. We have Calvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya. Who do you guys see coming out as the interim middleweight champion? Israel Adesanya. How? He's going to finish him. Third round. Wally? Oh, uh, you know what? I will go with Kelvin. I believe Adesanya will never been really tested so I believe it's a big test for him, Kelvin Gastelum. I mean, maybe he would take the fight to the ground. I know that Kelvin has some good ground game. So I will go with Kelvin. I will go with Kelvin by decision. As much as this fight reminds me of when Calvin Gastelum was coming off the Ultimate Fighter and he fought a very, very game Uriah Hall, this reminds me a lot like that. Unfortunately for Calvin Gastelum, standing across from him on Saturday night is not Uriah Hall, it's Israel Adesanya, and that is a completely different beast. Israel Adesanya will walk in there and finish Calvin Gastelum in the first round, and it will be emphatic. He will stamp himself as the most dangerous middleweight in the world, and he will wait for his date against Robert Whitaker. Now, for the main event, who do you guys see walking out of Atlanta as the interim lightweight champion and the future challenger to Khabib's lightweight title? Max Holloway, unanimous decision, all the way across the board, wins every round. I would say I would say Max Holloway too, but I think that maybe Holloway would get the finish, maybe in the third or or the fourth by TKO or knockouts. Yeah, it depends on if he calls his shot or not. If he calls his shot, he's taking it. Yeah. Dustin Poirier finishes the fight in the second round by knockout. Oh, you think really? so? You think Dustin is going to make it? Ooh, we got you a heard competition. It here first. Things are heating know, up on MMA Wreckage Radio. Well, while we turn <laughs> the temperature down here, folks, we're going to kick it to a quick word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. Are you looking for a new MMA website to check out? Then get over to MMAWreckage.com. For the latest news, analysis, videos, in-depth blogs, fighter interviews, and more. From the local shows to the UFC, MMAWreckage.com has you covered. You can find MMA Wreckage on social media, on Twitter, at MMA Wreckage, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MMA Wreckage. So stay up to date with all things MMA at MMAWreckage.com. All right, guys, at this time, we're a very special guest. 22-5, flyweight UFC contender, 
Alex Perez. How you doing today, Alex? I'm good, man. Just hanging out. Now, you are coming off an amazing victory from last Saturday night. How was that? Um, It was all right. Um, I didn't feel like, I I mean, I felt like I dominated the fight, but I didn't feel myself, you know, my, I felt like I was, I don't know, there was something not there, like my rhythm was off, something was off that night, but I was just grateful for the win. Look at this, he's the next Demetrius Johnson, and the fact that he can put on a flawless performance and say, I I did something wrong. Can I just say, the fact that like, for you not being like, you know, a top ranked guy, uh, you know, yeah, you've, you've had your share of fights, but like, they wouldn't consider you a veteran of the sport yet, but like, man, what high level ground and pound you have. Holy crap, you know, you don't see guys strike from the wrist like you did at, at this level of the game, and that was just absolutely beautiful. I wanted to make sure I got that in before we got going too far here. So, talk to us a little bit about this, uh, this. Talk to us a little bit about your fight with Mark De La Rosa. Did, uh, I know you said you were a little disappointed with it. Did everything go as planned, though? Um, yeah, I, I feel like I get a little bit more like re- like um, freedom in my fights because I mean I feel like I'm well, pretty well rounded everywhere, like on my back, um, you know, on top or on the feet. I feel like I can hang no matter what. So, um, yeah, I feel like the fight went the way we expected it to. I felt like I could dominate on her feet, on the ground. It didn't matter. Uh, I was just a little surprised that he wasn't attacking more off his back and that he wasn't um, trying to go for the takedown himself. And then, uh, what do you want next? Do you have a particular name in mind? Um, I would like to fight uh, Teco. Uh, you know, he's coming off a loss, but yeah, I think he won like five, six in a row. I wouldn't mind fighting or that kid, uh, that, that French the French guy, French kid, Tom Duke, Duke, Tom and, Duke I his name. Yeah, there you go, right there. I, I wouldn't mind fighting those guys. Um, you know, uh, whatever the UFC wants for me next. I'm, I've never said no to a fight. So, yeah, I mean, it, you went in there and you just you started rattling off wins, and you ended up getting a veteran and Joseph Benavidez. Tell me, kind of, what did that loss? What did you take from it? Um. Uh, Nothing really, honestly. Uh, I went when we fought. Like a lot of people don't know, like we what what knocked me what knocked me down was that was his we collided heads. It wasn't from a punch. I mean, if you watch the fight, it took his left took pretty good, and I just kept walking him down. Um, it just showed me actually that I can hang with some of the best in the world. I mean, he's ranked number one or two right now at flyweight. I mean, I was right there until we collided heads, and then all that situation happened. But before that, the fight was close. I think, I I mean, the round was close enough where it could have gone either way. I'd really like to get your opinion on what's going on with the UFC's flyweight division currently. There's kind of this uncertainty going on as to whether or not it's going to be capped or they're going to cut it. And uh, What is your opinion on that? Um, I don't know what they're trying to do, honestly. Um, I mean, they're, they're half-flyweight fights, so we'll see what happens, Of uh, at the end of the day, to me, it doesn't matter. 25s or 35s, I'm going to be champion one day. Um, 
um, you know, it sucks for everybody losing their job and stuff. If they're getting cut, like it sucks. But at the same time, I'm just glad it's not me. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, you might have been the reason Jose Shorty Torres got cut. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, you put a beating on him in L.A. I mean, that that was a fight that I technically called. A lot of people were up against the fence when I said that you were going to walk in there and take out Jose Shorty Torres. But, I mean, if you just look at your overall body of work, especially when you started on the Contender Series, I mean, you have went in there and looked for a finish every single time. Yeah, man, I try, I try to get that bonus every time. If it doesn't work out that way, it doesn't work out. I mean, I know I've been to decision a lot of times in my career. I've gone 15, I've gone 25 minutes, you know, so um, I know what it takes to grind people out. I mean, if I can get the early, if I can get the early finish, great. If I can't, then you know it is what it is. And the one thing I want to ask you that I really like to get into is the five-year plan for a fighter. You know, some guys see themselves as the UFC champion. Some see themselves owning a gym. What is your five-year plan? For me, honestly, it's just to be able to own a home. Like, you're not gonna. I'm not gonna be able to fight forever. As I can get a house, you know, I eventually after fighting, you are going to have to work unless you're making Conor McGregor money and stuff like that. And not everybody gets that level. And I've realized that. And I mean, I'm a realist. I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm going to make Conor McGregor money. You know, hey, it might happen. It might not happen. It just depends on what those, um, I think our sport's still young. So it's evolving. We're like the lowest paid uh, professional, one of the lowest paid professional sports. But like NFL, uh, MLB, NBA, those guys get hundreds and mili- millions and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, we get thousands of dollars, and it's thousands of dollars every X amount of months. You know, they're getting paychecks at least on on a weekly basis. So for me, just build on a home. Uh, where are you currently at? You're still in Northern California. Uh, no. So well, right now I came down to visit my family, um, but I. I'm originally from Limar, and then I moved down south to train with Colin Oyama about, so I was traveling five years ago, uh, excuse me, I was working a full-time, like, a working a job out here in Northern California, and I was, I saved my money for about a month or two, go out there for about three, four months, and then come back and forth, and five, and then uh, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, I made the move completely down south. And how do you feel that move has really helped you as an MMA fighter? Uh, good. I got a consistent training, consistent partners. Um, like over here, it's more of a hobby to people, which is fine. But I kind of once I got in, when I got into sport, I knew that I wanted to do more than just make it a hobby. I wanted to try to make it to the UFC. Where are you training at currently? Uh, Team Oyama. And uh, how does that facility help you stay UFC ready at all times? Um, just cause I train on a, on a daily, I mean, I train Monday through Thursday and on a Saturday, even if I'm in, out of camp, I have teammates, Ooh, excuse me, I have teammates that, um, have fights coming up all the time, so I'm always trying to help, they help me out, so I gotta do the same for them, I can't just, uh, expect them to help me out, and then when they need help, not show up, so I'm always, I'm always ready, I'm always trying to learn, always trying to get better. Yeah, you guys have some good guys over there. You guys have Louis Smolka, Rob Emerson, uh, Carla Esparza's over there. 
Who are some of the uh, key training partners that you tend to stick with uh, more during your... Now, who are some of the key training partners that you... Uh, um, I kind of just... I mean, I, I stay with the same guys, uh, like Chilo Vera, Luis Amoka, Desmond Torres, all the guys. I, tra- I train with all of them. Uh, there's no, like, specific one partner that I don't... Like, I train all together with. It's not like, a, oh, I pick, oh, I'm not training with this guy because he's an amateur. Nah, he's my teammate. I'm going to train with him. I don't, I don't do the whole thing where, like, all oh, this guy's not good. Well, I was there before, and it, it took... It took time for me to get to my level. So it's not like I, I pick. I mean, I train with Cheeto Vera. From Cheeto Vera, I train with a couple. I'm like, there's amateurs on our team. I train with them too. If if that's the person I have to train with, today. so it's not like a like. I think people make it out to seem like oh, like it's a. It's all about you. It's about your team. Like we got great guys on our team, and everybody's gonna be beneficial no matter what. Like I, I said, I train with amateurs to. Pros to guys, uh, guys in UFC, to guys in Muay Thai, it doesn't matter. I train with whoever my coach tells me to train with. Have you uh, really found yourself at home in Southern California? Uh, not really. I, I, I'm a small, like country town kind of guy. Oh, so Irvine's like a culture shock. Yeah, it was at first, the first couple <laughs> years, and I was like, oh man, but now it's it's a lot better. So, do you have anything like the Irvine spectrum up where you're from? Um, I mean, not really, like, well, my, t- my town personally has a movie theater, a casino, like a smaller casino, Tachi Palace, and then, um, that's about it, we don't got much else, we got fast food places, you know, so I'm a small town guy. Yeah, see, I, I grew up in the area a little bit, uh, so I know the area kind of well, but yeah, that must be a complete culture shock from you going up from Northern California, small city. I kind of went backwards. I went from the big city to now I'm in like a smaller city. I'm like two hours outside of Vegas. Oh, okay. So, nice and boring out here. The same thing, a couple casinos, fast food, that's about it. Yeah, man. But I mean, I, I, I love, I miss coming home, you know. When I come home, I don't want to go back, so like shit. Yeah, no, like, me and my wife, we'll go out and, like, visit, and we drive out there, where it's like, why the fuck did we come out here? <laughs> like, the traffic's horrible. There's a million people in the road. It's crazy. You guys talk about your small towns with your movie theater and this, that, and the other thing, and your casinos. Like, I bet your small town has more than 10,000 people in it, whereas mine has, like, two, 2,000. <laughs> Ben lives in the asshole in New York. <laughs> See, I would call it more of the armpit because at least an asshole has a function. The town I live in really serves no purpose. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a stinky area. Like, but so that's why it's the armpit. What do you like outside of the cage, Alex? We talked. Well, we know what you like inside of the cage. You're an animal, but what do you like outside? I just like to chill, man. I'm a like I like just hanging out with my friends. Like I like the difference between me and a lot of, like a lot of people is I come from so I come from a small town, so like we don't have like like in Irvine you got like all these nice places to go to. Like back home you got a movie theater, <laughs> you got a uh, you got a casino. So me and my friends just bullshit. Like we just talk talk crap to each other, make fun of each other. 
and then you know we'll go to the bar play some pool and that's about it like i just like to be with my friends and family just doesn't matter if you're watching tv or not like it's always a good time and then what brought you into your mma journey uh honestly i just wanted to try it one time when i was like i was in high school <sighs> i was helping some guys train for their fights and i was like oh like this is pretty cool i want to try it and then uh, i i tried it and i was like hey i went from there and kind of stuck with you and never wanted to get away like a bug yeah it was that or get a real job so i was like yeah, let's try this. <laughs> what was the first thing you started training um i was a i i grew up wrestling so obviously wrestling i grew up like i started wrestling in the sixth grade and then went on from there uh Wrestled in high school, did okay in high school, and then wrestled in junior college, and then I started fighting. I didn't train jiu-jitsu or like kickboxing or anything until I was 18. That was going to be my next question, was when you started kickboxing. Now, what are your jiu-jitsu credentials? Uh, I mean, I'm a purple belt under 10 planet. That's about it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't really compete in, in jiu-jitsu. Um... I always tell people, I was like, I'm not here to be a jiu-jitsu world champion. I'm here to be a UFC champion. So I was going to give me what's going to give me good in the cage. And eventually, obviously, I'll get my black belt. Like, once I'm done, but focusing on MMA. But it's too hard to focus on MMA and, and be a jiu-jitsu black belt. Like, there's, I don't think What is your plan for after you're done fighting? And Do you I, have I, one? I should say, I, I mean, to me... For me, after I'm done fighting, I'm probably going to go into coaching. Do you want to open your own gym? Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I might stay at Team Oyama or open my own gym. It all depends. Maybe go back home. How is the MMA scene back home? Uh, actually, it's really big because uh, a lot of people don't know, but this is where the first, this is where WEC started in Lemoore. This is the WEC where this split to Zufa. And then we have Tachi Palace, and then we had... Uh, we had yeah PF, PFC and Natachi Palace. A lot of, you had a lot of great fighters come out here like Chad Mendes, Joe Soto, Ian McCall, Eddie Yagen, Dustin Ortiz, Sir Flamingo, uh, George Lopez, Doug Marshall, Diva Santana. I mean that's a short list of guys I can remember. But you had Rob Emerson fight here. You had Razor Rob fight here. I mean you name the list goes on. You had the Diaz brothers fight here. You had a uh, Glover to Sheriff fight here. So like. We're the we were the we are the hotbed of MMA in, the, in California. So when you finally got that call in 2017 that you were going to be on the Contender Series, what was that feeling like? Um, I just took it as another fight. I mean, there's like people stressed out about stuff all the time, but I was like, guys, you know, I felt like this was maybe my last chance to get in, so I was like, I'm going to either get knocked out or knock the guy out. So, well, yeah, it was what your 21st pro fight at that time Some, something like that sorry to make you do math I didn't <laughs> uh, I was like, I can't yeah I mean just the fact that you've came so far since then I mean now look at you you're one of the highest ranked flyweights in the world at this point yeah man it just shows that hard work you know gets you to where you want to be now, I know you said 135 is something that, you know, kind of interests you. Is that something that maybe we'll see you do, whether they cut the flyweight division or not? Uh, to me, like I said, it, it, it don't matter. 
like, hey, I'm going to stay in the UFC, the, either at 25s or 35s. Um, doesn't matter to me, honestly. What's your cut like to 25? Um, it's pretty hard. I mean, it's hard because I'm a fat boy. I like to eat. Yeah, but, don't we all? But I, I'm strict, you know, when it comes down to it. Like, I, I miss weight one time. The only reason I miss weight was because, I mean, it was my fault. We left too late to the airport. Then the freeway guy shut down. I missed about half a pound, you know. But other than that, I've never had problems making 25, so. What is your walk-around weight, if you don't mind sharing that with us? Uh, walk-around about 165. It's not bad, then. How much? Yeah, not too bad. How much of that weight cut is water weight? Um, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, I have a I work with perfecting athletes, so I usually diet down and. Uh, I said it's a lot of it's taco weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I usually like it. Just all depends, man. Like, um, I mean, I made I, when I fought Benavides, I was walking around at one sixty. I took Ooh. the fight on two weeks notice and made twenty fives. You know. That's so a lot of it. A lot of it's a water weight, you know. So I, it's just all about diet. Diet the key for me. Now you talk about that Benavidez fight. Is that something you would want back? Oh, for sure. I've told I've told him. I've told the UFC. Like, hey, dude, I'll go twenty fives. I'll go down twenty fives and fight him again. Like I, he's not a bad dude. I'm not. Like I hate him because he beat me. Yeah, it's a competitive nature in you. Yeah. I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, I've talked to him a little bit. Uh, he's a cool guy, but I feel like I, I feel like I can beat him. And you said it was a clash of heads that dropped you during that fight. Is that something that you can protest or that you would protest? Or uh, we'll see why. Uh, I put in an appeal. We'll see what happens. If it goes through, great. If not, great. Like I said, a loss is a loss, no matter what. It doesn't matter. Now, do you have a specific location that you would like to fight in? Maybe overseas somewhere? A desire? Um, nah, man. Uh, I, I, I mean, the one thing I love about this job is I get to travel and see the world. So, I'm down for wherever they want me to fight. So, if they were said, Alex Perez, you're going to South Africa, you'd be down. Why not, man? Let's do it. <laughs> and they pay for a hotel. Yep. It's usually pretty nice. So, it's always a plus. What are some of the worst locations you've traveled to as a mixed martial artist so far? Um, I can't really say. I've, luckily, I haven't traveled to like any crazy places. You know, like I've been pretty, pretty lucky to travel to decent places. Yeah, we've talked to some fighters in the past, and we've heard some horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to uh, not go um, any crazy place. Now, as far as your diet you mentioned, Randall, I'm going to take a page out of your playbook here. Um, is there any specific diets that you stick to or, you know, things that you avoid or anything like that? Not really. It's just like a basic diet plan. X amount of protein, X amount of veggies, X amount of carbs. A gallon, a gallon, gallon and a half of water a day. Pretty simple. It's just about being strict and, you know, how much you work out, how much cardio you do and stuff like that. So, I mean, like I said, I'm... 
No, and then we don't want to keep you too long. Uh, just uh, while we have you, though, we would like to give you an opportunity to give shout-outs to your sponsors or anyone like that. Uh, yeah, uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on here. You know, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank my sponsors, Miss Mary Jane, CBD, uh, Virus, ATTC, Steenxware, uh, Milk and A, Always Ready uh, Meal Preps, man. Without you guys, I would not be here. Um, like I said, all the support in the world. You guys always have my back. I really appreciate it. All my friends and family, thank you guys. Um, I really appreciate you guys having my back. Now, uh, thanks again, man, for taking the time out of your day. We know you're super busy with training, and you just got done with a fight, so we take truly appreciate you taking the time out of your day. No worries, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No, for sure. Then we'll get you on again when you're ready to announce your next fight, the next <laughs> victim. Sounds good, man. Cool, man. You have a good one. You too, man. All right, man. Later. Later. So, guys, before we wrap this shit up, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the MMA world right now. And uh, one of the big news, that one of the big things that's going on right now, it's the TJ Dillashaw getting suspended by USADA. Uh, ben, what do you think about that suspension? And, uh, like, do you think, like, the, the last fights he won, do you think that should be, should get, uh, like, a, it should uh, get uh, reversed. Do you think that should be get? Do you, what do you think about? Uh, well, uh, I'm gonna take the Eric Cole method here and say I'm not gonna try to be an expert. Um, it's no. not my job to determine the punishment or to know the substances. It appears to me that he has been uh, flagged for taking an injectable-only substance. It was an ongoing issue, and I believe that uh, with the facts that have been presented to me, I believe it is a fair suspension. From what I've heard is that he got popped with, from two tests. A test from before the fight, right directly before the fight, and then right on fight night. Both those tests came back with the same adverse findings. So... Unfortunately, TJ Dillashaw, as we all know, has relinquished his Bantamweight title. But fortunately, the UFC has already jumped on the next UFC Bantamweight title fight. And Marlon Moraes will finally get his shot at a Bantamweight title. It is not going to be against TJ Dillashaw like we expected. It, although, flyweight champion Henry Cejudo is stepping up in weight to take this fight. Now, I know another thing Wally wanted to talk about while we had him here was Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. Now, Wally, yes. tell me what excites you about that fight. So, listen, we're going to take, we'll take it back for, to uh, WrestleMania. So, Brock Lesnar lost his title. So, I believe that is the news that MMA fans needed to know, to hear that now we are sure that Brock Lesnar is going to fight with the UFC. Now we are sure. But is he going to fight against DC? DC is is really pushing hard for the fight. And the, the fight is, is very interesting because they are two great wrestlers. I believe maybe he's the best wrestler. We disagree, me and uh, me and Randall about that. I believe Brock Lesnar may be the, the, the best wrestler that DC is going uh, to face. So I believe it's really First interesting. First off, 
when me and Wally had this conversation, he said grappler. Okay. So when he yeah. says wrestling now, there's a big difference. When he said grappler, I said, well, hold the brakes. Josh Barnett. Josh Barnett's probably the best grappler that DC has ever faced and will face. But now that you switched it like that, I think definitely Brock Lesnar is at least the best wrestler that he will face. Now, is that going to make a difference? I really don't think so. Uh, DC is a fucking beast. He's even better at heavyweight, and guys just don't move like he does at heavyweight, and they don't have the wrestling background like he does. And the one thing that they definitely do not have is the gas tank. Yeah, but, but Ben, do you think that DC is going uh, like uh, to prove that he's the superior wrestler and out-wrestle Brock Lesnar, or he just going to stand and outstrike him? I think this is a garbage fucking fight. I think the fact that you give Brock Lesnar a title fight the second he walks through that door swinging that big dick on his chest, I think that's fucking bullshit. And this fight pisses me off and boils my blood for the fact that you're going to have a ranking system just to shit all over it. Fuck you for making this fight. Fuck you for considering it. Am I going to watch it? Yeah. But that's a different story. Yeah. It's our job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of what yeah, I do. So, we all, so yeah, my I, thing is, my I completely understand it in the point of view of Daniel Cormier. I completely understand why he wants to fight and why he's pushing for a Brock Lesnar fight. I have to agree with Ben. I don't understand what makes sense to the fans. Obviously, yeah. if, if you're Brock Lesnar and you're offered a fucking title shot, you're going to be stupid to say no. So obviously Brock's going to take the fight. But again, why the fuck we got a ranking system? What's the point? I don't know. But if you remember, uh, after uh, it was, uh, I don't remember, after John Jones uh, against the DC2, like after he won, he, he called out Brock Lesnar. So it's... It's not that the UFC is really pushing hard Brock Lesnar. It's every UFC heavyweight fighter who wants to fight against Brock Lesnar. They want the money that the WWE aspect yeah, of it the, brings. It's the same thing That's why they pushed on CM Punk. So. That's why they put him on yeah. pay-per-view, because they knew people are going to pay that 60 bucks to fucking watch CM Punk fight, and that's why they're going to do this. They give him a fight so they can put him on pay-per-view, hype it up, have the WWE people pay the money to see it. That's the game plan. Or it, 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 this is a business. If you guys don't realize it's a business, you are fucking retarded. Dana White and the UFC are here to make money. They are going to put on money fights when they are presented to them. They would never pass up on an opportunity of a payday of what a Brock Lesnar fight will bring to them. Yeah. yeah. I just want to talk to you about uh, something else. Like, Craig Hardy is again the co-main event. Yep. Yeah. So, what do you think about that? Do you think it's fucked up? I think he's a good I money know. seller, and uh, I want to see what he can actually do. I want to see if he can actually finish a fight without getting DQ'd. I think that just shows his experience. You know what I mean? Which is going to be there. I mean, obviously. No. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I want to see what we can see from Greg Hardy before I really make a or formulate an opinion yeah but this time is different because the first time we all wanted to see if he's gonna he's gonna make it if he's gonna be a good fighter or not but this time like I'm I'm not really interested to see him fight because the last time everybody booed him uh, everybody talked shit about him everybody said he's a piece of shit and everybody pissed on him so uh, 
do, do you really want like do you want to see this fight for real if it was like no not in a good the UFC fight uh, in fight night like because the main event is uh, Jacare Souza against Jack Hermanson so if it was just fight like with no not in a pay-per-view of would you watch this fight I think because of who he is and the athleticism he brings I think no matter what his background was I'd watch the fight yeah exactly I would definitely I still watch he's it. Just, he, he's too talented of a prospect not to pay attention. Yeah. He's one of those guys you got to keep his spotlight on. Yeah. Now, Walid, was there any other topics that you wanted to discuss with us today? Maybe any shout-outs you want to give real quick before you get murdered <laughs> in your sleep. Yeah so, <laughs> yeah, so before I go before I go to sleep because it's a fucking it's a three, it's almost 4 a.m. right now. So yeah, so before I go, shout out to my family in Algeria, my mom, my dad, my sister, Shaynes, my girlfriend, Camilla, because she asked me to do that. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, shout out to you guys. All right. Well, and while we're on that shout out train, I want to say thank you to all of our guests, Landon, Alex, Ricky. Thank you guys for joining us. Waleed, thank you as well. Shout out to all of our wonderful sponsors and the, the gentlemen you hear in those filler pieces, whether it's in the beginning or in between the interviews. Thank you to Randall for always running this awesome episode uh, in these podcasts with me. So thank you guys, and we will see you next week.